yesterday ended last night. Yesterday ended last night. Um, talking about uh, God as a God of forgiveness. Talking about this morning, keeping our past behind us and not letting our past dog us and follow us into the future, into the present, into the future. And just for a moment, consider, if you will, the book of Jonah. Uh, those of you who are with us on Wednesday nights, we studied that little, uh, that little book of, of the Old Testament, that, that minor prophet. Uh, we studied that book in, uh, a few months ago, and I like to go back to it from time to time for the valuable lessons, and we sometimes mine new insights from Jonah every time we go to it. Uh, but Jonah is this little book. Uh, in the Old Testament that relates the story of this prophet, right? And, and this prophet is told by God to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh is a Gentile city, a great city that uh, has become filled with wickedness. And God, the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Jewish people of the Old Testament, uh, uh, Jonah as a Jewish prophet is told to go and preach to them because God says, I'm going to judge their wickedness. And uh, he speaks against them, but also... He seeks and intends to show mercy um, by sending Jonah to warn them and give them the opportunity to repent, to change. And it becomes evident in the story, doesn't it, that Jonah is prejudiced against these people. He's not concerned about folks that aren't Jewish. He's not concerned about the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, we see as we go through the book of Jonah that he uh, resents, he deeply resents something about God, the mercifulness of God, the nature of God to forgive people's mistakes and sins and to set people on a fresh path and to give people the opportunity to start over. And I would suggest to you this morning that there are some people in your world that may resent that about God because some folks like karma better than they like grace. Some folks like the idea of what goes around comes around because some folks got some stuff against you that they want to see you pay for and they want to get even with you, right? And Jonah's like that. He hates that about God. He knows that God being merciful just might, if these people would dare to repent, God just might withhold judgment on them. And, uh, and that's exactly in the story what happens in the book. begins by telling us of Job's mindset, his mistake, and his mistake, Job's error, Job's failing, is that he directly disobeys God. Because God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah buys a cruise ticket uh, and goes the other way attempting to run away from God's directions, God's instructions. And you know the story. God sends a storm. Jonah takes a bath. He gets eaten by a very large fish. He prays from that very dark and dank and smelly place where he finds himself and ultimately is regurgitated onto dry land. And he doesn't want the Ninevites to get a second chance, but that's exactly what the Ninevites get. And that's exactly what Jonah experiences. And I, I wonder if there are any of you who can relate to the basic contours of this story. Listen to me. Maybe it is that God has called your name and you tried to run the other way. Maybe it is God told you to zig and you said, I'd rather zag. Maybe God told you to go here, but you'd rather go there. Maybe you have been reluctant and distracted or, or even downright disobedient to what you knew to be in your life, the will of God. Um, possibly you've made mistakes. Probably, actually, you have made mistakes in your life that you regret. But those mistakes continue to haunt you, right? And maybe you carry your past around like a ball and chain, right? 
I don't think that there's none of us in this room this morning that hasn't needed a second chance, amen somebody, at one time or another. And I don't think there are any one of us to whom this story of Jonah doesn't apply. In this particular text, as we look at the third chapter, verses 1 through 10, doesn't apply to us. And by the way, when we say God is a God of second chances, that is really just the beginning. Because for some of, of us, people like myself, I have had to rely on God as the God of third and fourth and fifth and sixth and yada, 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 right? And on and on and on and so on and so on and scooby-dooby-dooby, right? Uh, subsequent chances. So in, job, in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we, we find these words. It says, Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Listen to this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he's, this is what God says to him the second time. He says to him the second time exactly what he says to him the first time. He says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to it the message I give you. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That was an ancient way of showing contrition and sorrow for sin. Sackcloth and ashes. And then we skip down to verse 10. This is what it says. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now look again at the first verse here in this chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. These words suggest something unique and special and wonderful about God's attitude towards people like you and me, people who have failed in their commitment people who have failed in their lives and and subsequently, ultimately come back around to Christ. It reminds me of of a man named Cyrus Curtis who once owned the Saturday Evening Post and he had a sign hanging in his office that, that announced this. It said, Yesterday ended last night. A powerful reminder that every day is a new day and a new beginning. And so I came here this morning. I got out of my, my sick bed. Now I don't have a sick bed. <laughs> but, I, but I came, I stopped by this morning to, to remind you of that fact that every day is a new day, that yesterday ended last night. This is not Saturday, November 9th, 2019. This is Sunday, November 10th, 2019. And guess what? Tomorrow is not going to be Sunday again, and it's not going to be the 10th. Time marches on. Every day is a new day and a new beginning. And these words, the words from Lamentations 3.23 resonate with me from the CEV. It reads like this, the Lord can always be trusted to show mercy each morning. Now, real quick this morning, if we're attentive, we can learn three things about God in this text, in this story. You ready? You ready? Here we go. Number one, in spite of your past, God doesn't give up on you. God is awesome. God is amazing. That's, I, that's why I think for some of us, and I know we, we kind of went along with worship today, with praise and worship, right? But for some of us, it's like, it's like the words of the old song, I can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop. Because when we think about God and the goodness of the Lord and how amazing he is, and we all have our, our, our attendant stories, or the things we've been through and the experiences we've had with God. But God is amazing because after Jonah ran away from God and, and began to associate with the pagans and then basically attempted, attempted suicide by sailor, uh, 
<laughs> read the story. You know, God still desired to use Jonah, and God never gave up on His plans for Jonah. It reminds me of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven when God says this: "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future." There was a story about the man manager at some point of, of I don't know how true it is, but it, it sounds good, so we'll use it. And we'll, 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 even if it's a little soft on, on the edges. But the, a, a manager at IBM who had lost uh, $10 million before a given project was scrapped, and he called, he's called into a meeting at the corporate office, and he, says, I, I, and he says to his bosses, I suppose you want my resignation. And, and the, 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 the manager said to him, resignation, nothing. We've just spent $10 million educating you. Think about it. When we think that we become useless to God, God simply says to you and me, he says, there's, there's another lesson for you. Let's keep on going, keep on stepping, keep on moving. And one of the saddest facts that I am aware of is that there are millions of people out there who think that God has given up on them. You know somebody like that? I've run into people like that. I've shared the gospel with people like that. And they say, it's too late. I'm too far gone. God has given up on me. I've blown it. I've fallen uh, and I can't get up, right? Uh, God, uh, God doesn't want me anymore. But let me tell you, something this morning, if you're running anybody like that or it happens to be you, you let them know that nothing could be further from the truth. Think about the scripture. Think about the Bible. And there, there, there's some people in the Bible who had blown it but who found that God didn't give up on them, right? Not even that he didn't give up on them easily, but he didn't give up on them. Number one, think about Abraham in the Old Testament, right? In, in spite of the fact, remember Abraham's story? In spite of the fact that he, God had promised him that he would have a wife with his, uh, he would have a wife with his child, Sarah. I am dyslexic not. Uh, in, in, in spite of the fact that God promised him that he would have a child with his wife, Sarah, he still took some bad advice. Watch out for bad advice, y'all. Amen. And he fathered a child through his wife's servant. But guess what? God didn't give up on him. After Abraham turned back around to God and got his head straight, he still became, as God had promised him, the father of many nations. Oh, then there was Jacob. Jacob's one of my favorite guys in the Old Testament. In spite of the fact that he lied and stole his brother's birthright, read the story. It's pretty hilarious because the fur on the hands and all all the, 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 the craziness that Jacob goes through. After Jacob finally comes back and has a face-to-face powwow with God, he's given the name Israel. God, you don't you know that God can change your name? If your name is bad news, God can change it to good news. If your name is loser, God can change it to winner. If your name is unfaithful, God can change your name to faithful. God gave him the name Israel, and he, and he became the namesake for the entire nation of God's people. Oh, and then there's David, amen, despite the fact that David committed adultery and then murder to cover the adultery, God, he still became known as the man after God's own heart. Some of us say, how can that be? And it's not because of David. It is because of the grace of God in David's life. Then you flip over a little bit to the New Testament, and there's this fellow named Peter. And despite the fact that Peter denied Jesus in the presence of many witnesses three times, when he turns around and comes back to Jesus, he ends up being one of the early church's greatest leaders. He's used by God in a powerful and mighty way. And then no, no account of, 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 of those redeemed in the Bible whose, whose lives God has turned around would be complete without, without Paul. Because Paul spent his entire early life persecuting Christians and blaspheming Jesus. And, but when Paul came to know Christ, he's used to be God's missionary to the Gentiles, becoming, probably with the exception of Jesus, the greatest leader in the New Testament, perhaps the entire Bible. What do we get from this? 
Do you get it? If only we would understand that if God didn't give up on people like these, if God didn't give up on these people, he certainly will not give up on you. And let me assure you of that this morning. God will not give up on you. In spite of your past, God doesn't give up on you. Number two, in spite of your past, God doesn't look down on you. There's some folks that say, well, yeah, I've been forgiven, but I'm probably a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And if you look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3, you didn't know any better. You would, you would never have expected, when we read that, about the word of the Lord coming to Jonah a second time, when you see the command that's given to him, you never really, really would have suspected that Jonah had ever fallen from God. And that's the way God works. When you fail, when you return to him, you're not treated, and I just so badly want to say like a redheaded stepchild, but I did, that's not the right, you're not treated any differently from those who never fell away. And so God simply repeats his instructions to Jonah. He says, okay, let's start over again. Go to the people of Nineveh. But you see, if it had been somebody else sending Jonah back out, uh, it probably would have read more like this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, but this time don't mess it up like you did the first time. Because you know how you are. But you notice there's no mention of Jonah's mistake here. God presses a reset button and looks at Jonah just the way that he did before. We get the same picture in, in, in Luke, the 15th chapter, in this parable we know as the parable of the prodigal son. And you, you know the story. He's there with his father, and he's a, he, he, he has a, a, the, the, the privilege of, 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 the, the, uh, of, of being an heir of his father's estate. He's the oldest son, and he, he gets the double portion, and he one day gets it in his head that he doesn't want to wait till he's in line for his inheritance, but he makes up his mind that he wants to, he wants it now, and he wants to take his money, all of that which would be his. He wants to go out and partay, not party, but partay. He wants to go out and, 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 and carouse and, and get down and have a good time. Uh, and uh, he uh, basically, and which, you know, if you, as we, when we teach that text and study, you realize it's almost as, as though he's saying to his dad, in a sense, you're as good as dead to me because I want my stuff now before you die. Uh, it's just really a terrible, not only a, a, a selfish act, but an, an insult to his father's honor. And his father gives him his wishes and gives him his stuff. Sometimes you know, don't know what you're asking for because God will give you what you want sometimes, even though it's not the, the best thing or the right thing for you. Because sometimes God concedes to our wishes and God gave him. And, he, and it says that he basically went out and, and he squandered all of his wealth with prostitutes and, and parties. And, you know, yeah, you know, it was... It, God bless the child, right? When you've got lots of friends hanging around. Uh, when you've got lots of money, uh, you have lots of friends hanging around. But when the spending in and the money is gone, they don't come around anymore. And so when he had depleted all of his resources, he's basically there. And, and he's a good Jewish kid who's basically hanging out with pigs and eating. And I love in the King James Version in, in Luke 15, it says, He fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the, the pods are, or something like that, or husk that the pigs ate. But in other words, he was so hungry that he was looking at what the pigs were eating and said, wow, that kind of looked good. That slop kind of, I'm, I'm a little hungry. Excuse me, Mr. Porky, can I have a little, can you, let me get a little bit of that. You know, and 
Finally, one day, something happens to him. He has an awakening, like such as happens to many of us. You ever been in a situation where you, your life is a mess and you came to yourself? You ever had one of those epiphanies, one of those, those wake-up moments? You're like, wow, why am I living like this when I could be living like that? Why am I doing this when I could be doing that? Why am I living so far beneath my privilege? I have left my fellowship with God. I have left the comfort of the relationship I have with the Lord. I left the, the company and the blessing of Christian fellowship to do what? To do this? And so he says to himself, he says, I'm going to go back home. And so basically he goes back home and and uh, to make a long story sh- short, his father is not sitting there like, <laughs> my dad might have been sitting there. <laughs> and uh, in fact, I, I did run away from home one time. You, you don't, I didn't tell you that, okay? And, uh, and I remember when I came home, uh, it was, uh, my father did not run to meet, meet me. But if he had, it probably would have been with leather in hand. <laughs> By the way, I, I had a student at work a couple weeks ago, and I called his this, elementary school kid. I think he's fourth grade. I, I called his grandmother because, you know, we have different to come up and deal with him. I said, he, she walked in the office with a belt in her hand. She said, where is he? I said, we're kicking it old school here, baby. I, 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 yeah, I didn't see nothing. And he was in my office. She thought he was in, she wanted to go walk into the classroom and tighten him up right there in front of all of his peers. I said, no, 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 no. But if I, when I came back, it would have been pops, you know, was sitting there like, yeah, where you been? So you think you're going to walk back up in here like that, right? But, but when the prodigal son, when he comes home, it says in the text in Luke 23, verse 22, when, but the father said to his servants, quick, wait a minute, bring the best robe and put it on him. This loser put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. I like that part. And kill it. Sounds like ribeye going on down, on down here. He says, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this, but listen to what the father says. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. If that isn't a picture of God's attitude towards those who have fallen, I don't know what is. God doesn't look down on you even if you have failed in your past. Again, Lamentations 3.23, remember, the Lord can always be trusted to show mercy each morning. Number three, in spite of your past, not only does God not look down on you, but God does not hold back on you. Jonah 3, verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, if I'm Jonah, this is what I'm thinking. I'm wondering. Okay, if I, I'm not Jonah, uh, but if I were, this is what I'm thinking. Is God, now I'm going back, but is God going to be with me and guide me as I go to Nineveh after what I did in the same way he would have had I gone in the first place and not failed? That's what I would be feeling if I was Jonah. It would be a natural concern. Will God be as close to me after I've run from God for a period of time as he would have been had I not run from him, had I not left him, had I not failed him? You know how it goes. You've made a mistake and my question, can I ever have Christ's power over my life? Can I ever really once again sense his presence in my life like I did before? And I want to tell you the answer this morning is a resounding yes. God doesn't hold back on you even if you've fallen 
hard in the past. And as we look at chapter 3, we see that God uses Jonah in a powerful way. God uses Jonah to take this great big city, this culturally significant city, and and turn it around to God. And Jonah walks through this city with God's power and God's presence, and God gives gives him everything he needs to do what God's called him to do. God didn't hold anything back on Jonah, and God doesn't hold anything back on me and on you. God has no reservations, whatever, about granting you his full blessings in Christ, even when you failed in the past, but you get it right with God. But what's the problem in our thinking is that we think God works like we do. You know how it is because it works, how it works, right? You mess up on your job, you get written up, right? And that write-up goes into your file, right? And uh, that write-up is going to affect you. It's going to affect your salary going forward. It's going to affect your, your chances for promotion in the future. And when your supervisor is looking at people to, to promote, he's going to look at, your, at your, your, your personnel file and, and take all that into consideration. But see, God doesn't do that. When a person returns to God, God doesn't hold back on them because of their past failure. The Bible says in Psalm 103.12, As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. So as we look at Jonah, what do we see God providing in Jonah's case? God provides his presence. He's with Jonah as he communicates to Nineveh. God provides his power. God's spirit uh, fills his words with power that, and ex- as he explains to the entire nation what God has said, brings them to repent. And God provides his purpose. God still has a purpose for Jonah. And it's no different because he's fallen in the past. John Maxwell wrote this. Listen carefully. For every predicament of man, there is a corresponding grace of God. In other words, for every particular human need, there is a particular supernatural resource. For every definite problem, there is a definite answer. For every hurt, there is a cure. For every weakness, there is a strength. For every confusion, there is guidance. Aren't you glad about that? In other words, for every person who's ever failed in their past, there is forgiveness that forgets. God doesn't hold anything back when you come back to him. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm very glad about this stuff this morning. Amen? Amen. Are you glad about it? So as we wrap this up, what can we say? There's a story about a great English preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, from the 19th century. And um, he was walking through the English countryside with a friend, and they, as they strolled along, Spurgeon noticed a barn with a weather vane. You know what the weather vane is? I know that you guys are all um, uh, contemporary folks, city dwellers, but a weather vane is that thing that would tend to, it blows with the wind, and it points to show you which way the wind is, is blowing. And so this weather vane on the roof of this barn, and at the top of the vane, it was, it was built very nicely, and there were these words, God is love, okay? But Spurgeon remarked that to his friend, he said, you know, I, I think that's really an inappropriate place for those words uh, because, you know, weather vanes are, 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 are changeable, but God's love is constant. And so to put those words, God is love, on a weather vane seems seems kind of inconsistent. But his friend said, I, you know, I really disagree with you, Charles. He says, listen, he says, you, you misunderstand the meaning of this. The sign is indicating this truth. And he tells Spurgeon this. He says, regardless of which way the wind blows, 
God is love. No matter which way the wind blows, God's love still remains the same. God's love is the most powerful force in all of the universe. God's love never changes. God's love is constant in spite of your past, in spite of your failures. And when you return to God after a time of running from God, you will discover one thing is that God's love has never changed. So in spite of your past, you'll discover this. God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't look down on you. God doesn't hold out on you. So no matter what is in your past, my friend, this morning, keep in mind that sign posted in Cyrus Curtis' office that reads, Yesterday ended last night. As far as God's word is concerned, that is the absolute truth. Believe it in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, this morning we thank you for this gathering of believers and is in one sense all the things that we would hope that a worship service should be and that we've, we've had the opportunity to smile and greet and love one another. We've shared our stories and our testimonies. We've prayed for each other. We've worshipped you, sang the songs of praises. Uh, we've, we've entered into this with our minds, with our hearts, with our emotions, even with our bodies. We've, we've, we've brought our entire being into this place today to worship and give honor to you. And you've spoken to us through your word today, and you've reminded us of the, the steadfastness of your love and the fact that, that, that tomorrow, that, that yesterday uh, ended last night. In other words, our past is in our past. Our failures are behind us, and this is a new day, and your mercies are new every morning. And regardless of the, which way the wind blows, your love is it's the same, and God is love no matter what. We thank you for that this morning. And Lord, would you encourage our hearts today as we go out into this week to remember that aspect of the steadfastness of your love. And for some of us, it may be in little ways that we've let you down or little ways where we're, we're feeling a little bit of insecurity because in some aspect of our life we failed you or we didn't do what you told us to do. Maybe it's just as simple as the fact that some of us don't read our Bibles and we feel uh, convicted of that. We don't pray as we should. We, we don't, we don't, we, we, maybe we don't fellowship or, or even attend church as we should. All the things that, that failures that may enable the enemy to to, 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 to try to impress upon us the fact that you, you, you're done with us or you, that we've lost your choices, blessings, or that, that you know, the best days are behind us or whatever. Lord, thank you that whenever we return to you, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So, Lord, we, we lay hold to that claim this morning. And uh, we just thank you so much today that, that tomorrow did end yesterday. And so may we walk in the light of this new day. Maybe someone here this morning has something in their, in their lives that they need to repent of. So, Lord, if, that's, if, if there's anyone here, we would, say, we would pray something like this. Lord Jesus, we haven't followed you as we should. We've maybe disobeyed you in some area of our lives, and we're, we've fallen short. We love you, and we want to serve you. We thank you that you are our Lord and Savior. And so we just ask your forgiveness for, for that failure in our lives. We ask your forgiveness. Of, forgive us for our, our, maybe our, 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 our disobedience or our, our apathy towards spiritual things. And Lord, let us start it today afresh and let this be for us a new day as your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, Lord, and when we pray prayers like that, when we, when, we, when we come back to you, when we turn around, when we make that decision to follow you more closely, you don't look down on us, but, but you give us the best you have. The Lord, we thank you for your presence in this house today. As we leave this place today, would you take us into this week and let us be a blessing and let us know that we go, each one of us, as we... As we leave this place today, we go in the full power of your Holy Spirit. Your anointing is upon our lives. Your grace is on us. Your love and your power 
go with us in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you for this time. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. All right, God bless you. Let's, um, ushers, if you would um, uh, quickly come, our, our, uh, our usher that without mesothelioma.